0: Hello, more to come, listeners. Welcome back for another segment of Stargazing. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, uh, the editor of uh, PW Comics World, and the editor of the fanatic PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter, and I'm here with the delightful Meg Lemke, PW's Graphic Novels Reviews Editor. How you doing, Meg?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, Another episode of Stargazing?
1: Yes, I am so glad to be back. And we have two books that we are going to discuss today. All right. Um, For those who may have forgotten, this is the segment of the podcast where we talk about books that have received a starred review in the pages of Publishers Weekly review section. Um, And a reminder that the reviews are written by anonymous reviewers, though the books that we select are ones that I then absolutely loved as well.
0: There you go. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get to the good stuff. So, <laughs> so the first
1: title um, that I want to talk about uh, came out in May. So both of these are actually available now, these books. This is Stone Fruit by Lee Lay. It's from Fanagraphics. And this book mm-hmm. came in with a lot of buzz. I don't know if you remember that, Calvin. It was no, a title No, it did. That,
0: Believe me, I know.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of interest in this book, I think from several indie publishers. And Fanagraphics picked it up. Um, people were really chatting about it. Lee is a an up-and-coming, buzzy, buzzy creator. And it's a family story. It's a romance. um, And what really attracted me to it was the fluid and shape-shifting artwork, which in a way sort of Mm -hmm. reflects the narrative also, which is about a relationship between two people and one of whom is transgender. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a central couple and they um are in a a close relationship that kind of came out of trauma where one of the characters named braun had left their family and then had become very close to um rachel who is our, the girlfriend um and so braun and rachel have this really intense sort of romance that was born of this trauma so they have a an almost like um a lack of boundaries between them. There's this intensity between them. Mm-hmm. And then together they often take care of Nessie who is um, Rachel's niece. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's sister is very uncomfortable with Braun. And there's a lot of kind of question about what that what that arises from. If she's uncomfortable with Braun because of Bronn's personality or mental health or if this is really like that she's transphobic and she's uncomfortable with Bronn as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the romance of the pe of the whole book is really about all of the adults' love for Nessie for the child, um, and there's just this sort of beautiful larger piece about like what is parenting, what is caregiving, what does it mean to be in relationship with a child, and how that relates to the relationship between adults, um, and all of that kind of meta you know, analysis about what the roles are in the book unfolds mm. very quietly and beautifully across the course of the story of, of their relationship and potential breakup and how they come back together or not. I don't want to be spoiling anything. Um, I'll, I'll hand this back to you before this is book <laughs> I have a lot to say about, so.
0: Well, you've, you, you've, ta- you, you know, you've outlined the landscape uh, of this, this, um, you know, this Deeply, uh, personal graphic novel. I mean, um, uh, we did do a, an author profile, uh, on Lila, Lilae, and I, I believe she's from Australia. And, mm. uh, so she navigates, uh, you know, a, a number of sort of, uh, marginalized cultures at once. But yeah, I mean, um, uh, I mean, this is, <laughs> to me, this graphic novel is really kind of a, uh, kind of a masterful, examination of a, what's that very familiar quote quotation or um, I'm paraphrasing you know all families are dysfunctional but they're dysfunctional in their own way um, yes, yeah indeed. so uh on the one hand uh, uh you know you know ray or rachel's you know you know uh straight family relations uh you know are she she is she is as alienated in some ways from her straight family uh, as braun is from her uh overbearing a uh, religious and homophobic family um, uh, but you know, what what it, 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 rather than it being this big explosion of frustration though that is covered i mean the frustration that, that you have with um loved ones who don 't seem to get you or refuse mm-hmm. to get you
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, uh, she her relentless um Focus on characterization really sucks you in. Now, the, her relentless focus on char- characterization comes along with a relentless amount of dialogue as well. These characters, uh you know, they demand uh each other's attention and yours in the process. Uh, they, they believe in talking whether the other side is really ready to talk or wants to talk anyway. So this is... One of those exercises in people, uh, both needing, uh, um, needing engagement and demanding engagement, uh, and working right, through that process,
1: right? It has a lot of ch- chatty scenes, it's true. There's a lot of kind of walking and talking,
0: there's so a great what- deal of talking, but but <laughs> but what what makes it work though, of course, is to me is the – uh you know the genuine emotion that she evokes from these characters who are troubled over their relationship with their families and 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 whether they're losing the relationship that they have with each other and of course uh lays a drawing the richness this kind of mannered um um illustrational style that uh you know kind of allows her to kind of transform the physical character of her characters into something else that kind of defines, you know, how they're acting at the moment. And of course, the scenes with the little girl, which kind of brings everyone together, kind of brings them all out of themselves. Uh, those are really powerful and, and um, you know, really, a really memorable part of the book.
1: That's really what I think is so interesting, because it is a very kind of talking heads book otherwise, yet all of the action really comes from this child. And that is described by the characters, this sense of them being fraught and um, stilted or uh, literally depressed, like unable to move forward in their lives. And yet when they're with this child, they transform into literally like monsters and dogs they have this whole thing where they're always constantly chasing through the woods and and that that ability to for the child to bring them into her imaginary world is what brings them so much joy and it kind of creates this connection between this this familial connection between the three um women who are the center of the book um the reviewer said you know the they, they first appear in the panels as feral creatures with giant elongated cat-like eyes and sharp teeth chasing through the woods with their equally monstrous knees. Uh, it's just a, it's just a really unusual book that I think, um, heralds a, a talent that people have been already watching. We often say this is a talent to watch, but this debut is a talent who's been watched and I think, um, has, has achieved a beautiful book that I hope continues to get attention.
0: Yeah, no, this book, uh, there was, a- Lots of buzz about it um uh in fact uh, you know it's uh, it's a debut graphic novel um and there was really so much talk about it. I really thought this was worth it to 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 do an author profile of it, so you can mm-hmm. go to PublishersWeekly dot com slash comics and uh check out the the author profile honest and emotional Lila's graphic novel debut uh the fabulous Heidi Mcdonald wrote it. Um, uh, but yeah, the combination of her artwork, I think her, the depth of her characterizations, uh, and I think in these kinds of movies, these, these kind of, uh, excuse me, these kinds of graphic novels, these kinds of books where the, where, uh, the emotional lives of the characters are so fraught, their Mm -hmm. need for each other, uh, is so palpable, um, uh, um, as a reader, you know you 're drawn in very often because of your own emotional response, responses to the neediness of the characters mm-hmm. and by that i mean there, there I, I think for myself anyway there there's, there's some level of frustration as well as support for these characters when they just seem to cross the line over what they demand of each other um, uh, from what these char- from what their families and friends have shown that they're able to deliver. Uh, and so they're all in this big emotional uh, like tussle, and you know, and 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 I well, I I can't say how it ends, but it's mm. a satisfying progression.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: When yeah. as far as dysfunctional relationships go, that's always no
1: pat conclusion. Exactly. A very true to life. Exactly. Progression, and I think it's again. There's a fantastical element to it that is just to get not not really fantastical, but the ability for the cartoonist to immerse you in this child's worldview um, that is really worth it, uh, just for that alone.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, it really does bring all of the characters. I think all of them with their own internal, like you know, uh, failures and self criticisms and frustrations. But it's true that Nessie as a character kind of illuminates all of them in ways that are, that are to their credit. Mm -hmm. They have to stop for a moment and pay attention to someone who really does need their attention, maybe more, a little more than, uh, they need Mm. each other's at that particular moment.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that, this concept of the child is the one saving them all, but of course she's the only one who really, really needs
0: care. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In
1: that immediate way of like, food and shelter and you know they're needing this larger parenting and which they both in a way get from the relatives uh in a very complicated way that they seek in this book. But there's a there's a kind of fascinating way in that they all are caregivers for a child who is giving them so much. But that's something that itself kind of comes up to question in the book. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So go out and buy it. Stone fruit by Lee yeah, Lake. Really good. <laughs> <fan of> graphics <laughs> We are gonna shift gears
1: for That's this- for
0: sure. <laughs> it's like, tick, tick, tick,
1: for a big surprise star review, um, for Bubble, which is based <laughs> on the, as the publisher says, smash hit podcast, um, out of the Maximum Fun, Fun Network, which is the same podcast network that does Adventure Time, which was a huge, been a huge oh, bestseller right. as a comic, which I'm sure is what like paved the way for this, um, radio drama. <laughs>
0: Well, it's it's interesting. It's a
1: serialized fictional podcast. The
0: drama is so performative uh, in this book that uh, it's hard to even call it a drama. But I'm curious, is the podcast really the the, uh, content of the book? Because I have not heard the podcast.
1: Yeah. So um, getting ahead of myself, I should say this is published by First Second. Yes. And it came out in July. So it's very freshly available. And it's authored by Jordan Morris, Sarah Morgan, and Tony Cliff. And, um, the colorist also gets a color by Natalie Rice. We
0: oh, he was, yes, I don't know who the, the, uh...
1: The color is, is great. Um, yeah, know... it is.
0: No, the book is beautiful. The book looks great. There's you no know, doubt about that.
1: little pulling the curtain back. PW doesn't list colorists in our biblio. And if you have more than, um, Three authors you get at all, in any case, in the bibliologist first space as a style thing. And the publisher in particular, they, they really put the colorist on the cover. that meant a lot to them. So I wanted to call out that name on, on the podcast.
0: Yeah, and that's Natalie Rice.
1: R-I-E-S-S. Yeah. The color is actually pretty great. There's a lot of glowing sort of neon. It means a lot in the story. But as a way in, some of the color references in the book are different than they are. On the podcast, I know this because after reading the book, I binge-listened to the entire podcast. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I walked around my house with my headphones on and my, my children and spouse trying to talk to me, and I was like, it's for work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and is I it is it, it a radio work. play? Is it is it, it them talking it through? Or what, what? I feel
1: like we really sound. So, yes, it's a radio play. That's what uh, I mean. It's a radio play. But it, it's not called that because this isn't the radio. This is podcasting. Right. Well, it's, right? it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. So – but. But it's funny, it's not a new invention. <laughs> it's a radio play, and it's totally done like a radio play, yeah. it, which is lovely. So there's different voices and sound effects. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, but of your traditional, like, couple people chatting style, mm-hmm. um, or, or This American Life, you know, narrated reported um, reportage. So this is something totally different It's a radio play. It's completely fiction. Um, it's, it was adorable and transporting and I really enjoyed it. And I know that many people who are going to pick up this graphic novel are coming to it because they've already listened to the podcast. They're going to come in with a lot of preconceptions about who the characters are. Um, but I really enjoyed being drawn in as a fan in the other direction. So finding out about the book because our reviewer really loved it and we don't as often have, you know, genre titles that are this kind of bouncy and not silly. We don't use that phrase, but light, <laughs> you know, uh, effervescent.
0: There you <laughs> go. Uh, yeah. As a star, Playful. I
1: think, think of a star as <laughs> a weighty accolade, but actually this, in its genre, I think is, an, is a standout. Um, and it's notable because it has this huge fan base, much like Adventure Time for the podcast. So I, I don't know. I really love that the book got me into the show just in the way that so many other you know people might have read game of thrones after watching yes. the television you know it's it's what came first is a big question um for a so, fan versus
0: the actual. So what's the scenario? Why don't you Sorry, read? I'm
1: getting lost. I sound like one of the characters.
0: The <laughs> scenario okay. is
1: ultra geeky um uh, millennial types who live in a dome that is a corporate bubble in an alien world um they've all lead earth for this alien world that's populated by things that are called imps, but imps is a large category for scary monsters, some of whom are like furry. Others are like psychic earwigs that can implant and make you hallucinate. Some are like big, scary reptilian-type creatures. Um, And these creatures are penetrating the dome. They're getting in from the brush, which is the exterior of the of the planet. Um, and the, the, you know, the conceit is that the corporation has created this app where you can call up like an Uber, you can call up something called a Hunter with no E, H U N T R, and they will come and kill one of these imps. And the main character is Morgan, who used to live in the brush and was brought in on this kind of like scholarship program like rescue program for children who grew up in the brush to live inside the dome but she still has her monster fighting skills Mm -hmm. and then all of the plotting has to do with her relationship to her father who still lives in the brush and um and then her roommate who's this like sexed up hipster drug dealer
0: um, there's just bartender. a bartender <laughs> and craft like brewer too, if I may add, yeah. go on.
1: <laughs> yes. yes, totally. Um, and then there's this like, kind of like hapless character, um, Mitch who is just like sort of sad and really isn't cool enough to be in Fairhaven, this bubble. Um, there's just so many like very funny, cute, snappy, send ups in the book and it's very much of the moment um and i thought perfectly done for that you know the the reviewers said like the roommate annie is a polyamorous bespoke drug manufacturer the ex-boyfriend a parkour enthusiast is van who's beloved even with his unfortunate toe rings and lovable loser mitch all get sucked into this conspiracy and it's great. It's a great friendship story. There's tons of action. So very yes. much there's compared. Plenty
0: of action for everybody.
1: It's page after page of imp fighting. Um, and if you spend all your time listening to the podcast, there's, they make a lot of changes for the, for the space of a comic. Um, and that itself is just kind of interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, look, this this is all played for laughs. That not not that there aren't emotional moments in it, but this mm-hmm. is a this is a, a high octane screwball graphic novel, rom com monster um, narrative. That don't be surprised if it shows up on a as a TV series on Sci Fi Network at some point. Um, Wise cracks. On top of wise cracks, pop culture references out the wazoo, uh, niche is good for that too. Mm-hmm, um, so funny. but well fleshed out characters as, as sitcomy characters go, right. uh, on, uh, you know, on a wild ride of adventure. I mean, it's a weird kind of superhero comic that's not a superhero comic. Um, um, but like I said, there's, there's monsters, there's hipster chicks. Uh, there's craft beer, for crying out loud. There's even a <laughs> trivia contest. I mean, I, where do we even stop? The name-dropping and pop culture references, um, you know, are, are 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 without end, are bottomless. Yeah, um, the
1: reviewer says the blowout fight scenes come fast and furious and are littered with sarcastic one-liners and snarky takes on everything from John Mayer to T.J. Friday's book club wine moms. Frazier CrossFit and bearded podcast dudes with hot tags like "It's time for a male Wonder Woman." There
0: you go. <laughs> no, it's it's in a total send up of of uh, the the app economy and the millennial uh, obsession with you know uh, artisanal everything uh, from drugs to uh, uh, to beer, uh, and indeed there is craft beer. <laughs> as a plot line in this uh graphic novel. So, I mean there's really something for everyone.
1: I really enjoyed it. This is a hard year. It was really lovely to have something that was truly diverting.
0: It's, That's it's, my pitch. It's wacky, it's funny, it's a breezy read. The art is really appropriate. It's lively. Um uh you get a sense of the characters. And and it's fun, and you know, the next thing you know, yeah, it's it's basically a kind of silly page turner, and you know what, you enjoy, you'll you'll enjoy every minute of it of turning those pages.
1: And I would say it's interesting because I actually think they're getting, they are aiming a little bit for um, an older YA crossover market here. There's a little bit of toning down from the podcast. So if you've listened to the podcast and are worried about hiding it from your teenager, I think you're okay.
0: There you go. All right. In fact. (laughs) uh i I mean actually even if i'm not mistaken, one of the characters in the book um yells at them because they're doing something inappropriate around children <laughs> so so there you go it's it's low level inappropriate, but there you go <laughs>
1: um to say less inappropriate then I was glad I had my headphones on <laughs> around but,
0: my own but you know this it, is it's a fun read look you you really can't go wrong
1: on that note. Thank you so much for tuning in again to Stargazing. We'll be back soon. There's so many great books to talk about. We're still catching up from late spring. Um, And then fall is coming, and we've had a slew of big, big books show up on the pages of PW. So I will direct you to
0: our comics review section to read more. Cool. All right. Great. Thanks, Meg. We'll talk again soon.
1: Talk to you soon.